This message comes from NPR sponsor Comcast Business. Is it possible to get business internet you can really rely on? It is with 99.9% network reliability from Comcast Business. Powering possibilities. Okay, turning up the bop a little bit. Ooh, 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 maybe a little too hot, a little too hot, a little too hot. Hey there, if you are new to shortwave, go ahead and hit that subscribe or follow button. That way you can start every weekday morning with us. Like a little science vitamin that you swallow with your ears. Well, I don't know. Just go ahead and follow or subscribe. You're listening to Shortwave from NPR. Maddie Safaya here, and today we are talking about immunity. Everyone wants to know, especially now that many states around the U.S. have started to open up, does getting the coronavirus once make you immune to it? Or... Could you get it again? And people are looking for the answer in antibody tests, tests that can tell you if you've had coronavirus. A lot of the antibody tests that we're seeing come back either positive or negative. And that makes immunity also seem like it's positive or negative. Cut and dry, right? Not so much. I think the better way to think about immunity is as a continuum or a spectrum where your body has a reaction somewhere along this really long axis. And at one end, it's a really... Our immune system is beautifully complex. It takes many different molecules and cells to fight off infection. Catherine Wu, much like me, is a microbiologist and a big fan of the immune system. She recently wrote a piece for the Smithsonian Magazine about just this, why immunity is so tricky. A lot of people end up using the word immunity when they actually mean a bunch of different things. Every infection is different, and every person's immune response is different. So when I say I have immunity against something, it really just means that my body is reacting to the presence of something that is trying to infect me, not how well it does it. So today on the show, a beginner's guide to immunity and what that means for how we understand those antibody results. As Catherine Wu tells us, for the coronavirus, it's complicated. This message comes from NPR sponsor Comcast Business. Is it possible to get business internet you can really rely on? It is with Comcast Business, keeping businesses of all kinds up and running with a network powered by 99.9% reliability, plus advanced security to help outsmart threats to your data, and 24-7 customer support to help anytime. With Comcast Business, reliable business internet isn't just possible, it's happening. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary. Support for this NPR podcast and the following message come from Easy Cater, committed to helping companies solve food. From employee meal plans to on-site staffing to concierge ordering support. With corporate accounts, nationwide restaurant coverage, and payment by invoice. EasyCater.com. At this year's Oscars, Oppenheimer took home the award for Best Picture, Emma Stone and Robert Downey Jr. also picked up wins, and Ryan Gosling brought the Kennergy. For a recap of all the highlights, listen to the Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast from NPR. Okay, so Catherine, let's start off by talking about some of the basics of our immune system. 
In your piece, you talk about how an immune response requires a symphony of cells, which I love, by the way. And generally speaking, our immune system responds to pathogens like the coronavirus in two waves. Walk me through that first wave. Yeah, great. So the first wave uh, that really happens is what's called the innate immune response. Uh, And Mm -hmm. basically, um, in this wave of cells, there's this very quick and general response. Um, If you kind of compare the immune system to like an army, these are maybe kind of the, the, the guerrilla fighters, this battalion of soldiers that are just sort of taught to recognize anything that doesn't look like you. Um, Sometimes Mm -hmm. when immunologists talk about innate immunity, they talk about cells that recognize the difference between self and non-self. So if the immune system has grown up around all of your organs and tissues, it can say, hey, this is a heart cell that belongs to Maddie. I'm not going to attack that because this, in this context, in Maddie's body, that's self. But anything that doesn't have the sort of signatures that say, this is a cell that belongs to the body that I have grown up in, It'll say that's foreign and I need to attack that and get rid of it. This can actually be anything from a pathogen that doesn't even look like a human cell to a cancer cell, which has come out of a cell in your body, but just looks strange or unusual enough uh, that it's no longer recognizable. Yeah, yeah. And so and then there's the second wave of immunity, right? So this is adaptive immunity. Right. So the second wave is actually really important to frame as a second wave because it does literally come second. It's a lot slower, but it's a lot more specific. Um, We're talking about something that needs a lot of time to basically learn and and, uh, tailor make a response that's going to root out very specific pathogens and target them. Um, These are kind of like the snipers or assassins if we're kind of going back to our our militarized or, or army metaphor. And if that pathogen tries to infect you again, you'll mount that same adaptive immune response. If that pathogen comes around a second time, it won't be quite as slow. It'll be just as specific, but it'll be more powerful and faster. And ideally what happens is you won't get as sick. That pathogen might infect you to some extent or possibly not even at all, but your immune system will have already been trained by a past exposure and be really good at fighting that pathogen off the second time. Yeah, yeah. And and this is where, generally speaking, antibodies really make their moves, right? Yeah, so antibodies are these Y-shaped proteins that are churned out by these cells called B cells. And B cells are part of this adaptive immune response, that second wave that is really specific but sort of slow to arrive. And what B cells do is they are basically antibody factories. They churn out these proteins that are able to do all sorts of uh, disease-fighting functions. So a lot of people, when they hear about antibodies now, uh, the sort of general description for antibodies is that these are proteins that are able to kind of latch onto the surface of a pathogen like the coronavirus and stop it from infecting cells. If a virus can't get into a cell, for instance, it can't make more of itself. It can't actually do much damage to your body. Right, right. So, but let's talk about antibodies and and antibody tests. You know, we're talking a lot about using those now as a way to determine whether somebody has had coronavirus in the past, and if that means they're immune from getting it again. Tell me a little bit about the limitations of those antibody tests. 
Yeah, so I'm really glad you phrased it that way because the sort of two metrics that you're talking about are actually separate. Uh, so mm -hmm. with a good antibody test, it can definitely tell you whether or not you have had uh, an infection in the past. Um, but the way I sort of like to think about it is antibody tests can tell us a lot about our past, whether we've previously had an infection, but they can't necessarily tell us a lot about our future, whether we're going to be protected from that same infection again. And mm -hmm. this is the distinction mm -hmm. that I think we really need to draw for people. Right. So this idea that people can get an antibody test, test positive for coronavirus and feel like, well, I can't get it again, is kind of the wrong way to think about it. Yeah, I think that's right. And I do want to leave room for the idea that it may be the case that that turns out to be true, that people can't get reinfected if they have antibodies in their blood. That's definitely still right. possible, but it's not something we know yet. And you know, I think it's better for now to sort of err on the side of caution because if people mm -hmm. assume that they are protected and they aren't, they might feel emboldened to go out and uh, not wear face coverings as often or not wash their hands as frequently. And that could put them in danger as well as the people around them in danger. So for now, it's probably best to assume that, you know, there's a very, very good chance that we won't be protected um, if we do have antibodies in our system. Uh, another thing to possibly add here is that, you know, there is precedent for this. We know of other viruses, other pathogens for which people do generate an antibody response to them, but that doesn't actually serve as a good proxy for whether or not they'll get infected again. Right, right. And that's kind of the long term, right? So it's really hard for us at this point to understand that because the virus is so new. But what about what we know now, Catherine, about immunity in the short term for coronavirus? Because we have a little bit of data on it, right? Yeah, that's a great question. And I absolutely don't want to give anyone the impression that we're all doomed to just have the same disease over and over and over and over again. Uh, we are still right. working towards, you know, having an effective vaccine and people generally, uh, you know, safely assuming that we're going to have some protection against the coronavirus uh, for at least the short term. I think it's important to mention here that, you know, there have been other coronaviruses that have uh, in infected the human population before. Some of the most commonly yeah. mentioned ones are actually coronaviruses that, that cause, um, you know, common cold-like symptoms. Sure. And I think, you know, what researchers have figured out so far is that we actually do develop immunity against those coronaviruses. They don't last too long. It might be on the scale of a few months. Um, in the case of some coronaviruses, it could be up to a couple years. But I think, you know, given that we're operating in the short term here, we're like six months into this current coronavirus pandemic, I think it's probably safe to assume, based on what we've seen uh, in a bunch of studies, that people who have been infected once probably aren't going to get infected again anytime soon. And people should take yeah. comfort in that. Yeah. So I'm kind of interested in this in general, Catherine. What, why did you decide to write this piece? That's a very good question. And I think this actually gets back to something that we started our conversation with, uh, which is you sort of evoking the idea that immunity isn't binary. I think I kept hearing people say, um, I am re like, I'm getting an antibody test next week. I'm really, really hoping it comes back positive. And I think that's one difficult thing about these types of tests where we're, we're using like, 
uh, a molecular marker in the body as a proxy for something really complicated, in part because there are so many things at work, there are so many factors that can determine how your body responds to a pathogen, that I just wanted to make sure people understood that they can have immune responses that are giving them partial protection, and that's still super important for you know herd immunity and keeping our population as a whole safe. They can be super well protected and that's great, but that might not be true of the person next to them. So I think this is important for people to think about on an individual level in terms of we can't predict how you are going to respond to this particular virus, but it's also important for the population level that we can't make any assumptions about what's going to happen to the people around us. All right, Catherine Wu, I appreciate you. Thank you for bringing your love for immunology to shortwave. It's very nice. Thank you. It was a pleasure to speak with you. I'm a huge shortwave fan, and this is the (laughs) honor of my life. (laughs) All right, Catherine, I'll talk to you later. All right. This episode was produced by Rebecca Ramirez and edited by Viet Le. Britt Hansen checked the facts. I'm Maddie Safaya. Thanks for listening to Shortwave from NPR. For James McBride, racism in this country has been a disease. It's been the cancer that has just been killing us. And now we want to address the problem. I mean, you can't address the cancer until you know you have it. And these people are seeing the cancer. Author James McBride on protest, a pandemic, and his new book. Listen to It's Been a Minute from NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor ShipBob. ShipBob's warehouse management system can improve your efficiency, allow you to grow faster, and save you money all through one WMS platform. Get a free quote at shipbob.com. News is a public service. That's why NPR never puts a paywall in front of our journalism. NPR.org, our free website, promises to stay that way so that you get all of it. Breaking news, pop culture, award-winning journalism, wherever you are. To stay connected, head to NPR.org. Discover a social media empire on a mission to reconstruct America using guns and Facebook. Welcome to No Compromise, podcast winner of the 2021 Pulitzer Prize for Audio Reporting. Go behind the hot button issues in the national debate and listen to the No Compromise podcast from NPR.